Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. This is episode 136, Dope Nostalgia, back at you one more time. My name is Naomi. This episode is going to be a little bit different, but I think that what we're talking about is something that so many of you can identify with, especially those of you in North America and the legend of Columbia House. Remember those ads with the little stamps that you'd lick and peel and, and, and choose albums and it would say, get 12 CDs for one cent. Send it in with the little stamps you chose. Get those free CDs or cassettes, whatever it was you were into. And then, oh, now I've got to pay 30 bucks for a CD <laughs> at least once and fulfill my duty. Yeah. So if you've been duped by the Columbia House, I'm not even going to call it a scam because it's not. It's all in the fine print. You knew what you were getting into. My good friend Nicole Niska is coming on the show today for her very first time at Dope Nostalgia discussing the glory days of Columbia House and all CD clubs. Here's a little information on the background of Columbia House. Wikipedia moment. Columbia House was an umbrella brand for Columbia Records mail order music clubs, the primary iteration of which was the Columbia Record Club, established in 1955. The Columbia House brand was introduced in the early 1970s by Columbia Records, a division of CBS Inc., and had a significant market presence in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. In 2005, longtime competitor BMG, formerly RCA Music Service, purchased Columbia House and consolidated operations. In 2008, the company, as well as book club op operator Bookspan, was acquired by private investment group Najafi Companies, and its name was changed to Direct Brands, Inc. Although Direct Brands shut down music mail order operations in mid-2009, it continued to use the Columbia House brand to market videos in the U.S. and Canada, selling DVDs and Blu-rays via the controversial practice of negative option billing. That's what these clubs were based on. DB Media's Canadian assets ceased operating in December of 2010 and all staff were dismissed, while U.S. operations continued as usual. In December 2012, the company was sold to Pride Tree Holdings. In 2013, the company changed its name to Filmed Entertainment, and the sale of the DVD division at bankruptcy auction was announced in August 2015. There is still a ColumbiaHouse.com website, and when you go there, what it takes you to is, looks like, a place to buy some DVDs for a bit of a discount. I bet you it's still the same kind of idea. But the glory days of Columbia House are long gone, long behind us. And it wasn't just the Columbia House. There were several others that did the negative option building, bill, uh, billing, um, like mentioned BMG Music Group. And also, I think there was one called Q or HQ or something in Canada. If you remember the, something that had a Q in it, please let us know. Email me at dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com or give us a call and leave a voicemail at 780-851-8785. CDHQ. I think that's what it was called. But give us a call or an email and tell us 
all about your experience with these negative option billing music clubs. Let's welcome good friend Nicole Niska to the show. I want to welcome Nicole, Nicole Niska to Dope Nostalgia, who's a good friend for many years. Um, thank you for being on the show today. We have uh, an amazing topic. <laughs> super, super stoked about this one. Mm -hmm. oh, do you have a hammer? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm baking buns, baking bread right now. So my husband just rotated my pans and needed to <laughs> let me know to start the timer. Okay. That's good to do. <laughs> I'm not very good at baking bread. It took me about five attempts before I ever got it even close to looking like bread. I'm trying pretzel buns, so we'll see how this turns out. I don't know if they're going to be any good or not, but who doesn't like buns, right? If they turn out good, I'll bring you some. Aw, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> We're think, talking about, like, definitely about mail order services, and when you're talking about food, I just started that HelloFresh thing again. It's supposed to come on Saturday. Have you ever tried one of those? Where they send you the food, the meal kit? I kits? don't think we ever did any of the meal kits just because there's three of us and my stepson, he's 15. He's a little on the picky side mm -hmm. and I love to cook. I love meal planning. I love looking at recipes. Like I could do that stuff all day long. So I just, I love cooking, but I love that that option is available for people. Cause like, if you live by yourself, to go mm. and buy like large quantities of like something that you need a teaspoon for in your recipe, like that's not feasible. So I'm, I'm glad that you're back on it. Like shopping at Costco is completely useless to me unless it's like getting dry goods or canned goods. I just don't shop at Costco. There's no point. Exactly. I'm I finding the that most of our Costco trips are exactly that, like just staples. Yeah. And like, I guess the gas prices there are better than some other places though. People do tell me to gas up at Costco if you can. It's always 10 cents a liter less than what the average is. So right now I think gas is like what, 191. So Costco would be 181, which really is just sad if we're like dollar 81 <laughs> cheap gas, man. I know. I know it's terrible. I was doing deliveries for Skip and for DoorDash, but I've just decided to lay off because there's really no point. I'm only making like less than minimum wage even trying right now. Yeah, exactly. And does that factor in the price of gas or is like that you're making less than minimum and then you have to pay for your gas too? No, including it's factored in. Okay. Um, okay. Because like generally I would make probably on average 20 bucks an hour and then take off whatever gas would be. You know, it's ridiculous out there. Yeah, it was good for like extra cash, though, especially on all this like new kids stocking I've been doing. <laughs> no doubt. How was your trip? Oh, my God. I've been loving the pictures and the updates that you've been posting. Like, oh, oh, it was just beyond my wildest dreams. And the best part of it was like all the friends that we hung out with and three, three shows in a row, three meet and greets in a row. Hoping by the third one, I'm like, you guys know who I am yet? <laughs> and did they? That was totally going to be my next question. Like, get out of my head. I didn't ask that question, but you could see the acknowledgement in the eyes that they were were starting to. Okay, because I'm like, hi, I'm Naomi from Canada. I'm Naomi from Canada. I flew here to see you guys, there. You know, and then they're just like, <laughs> hey, what's up? Thanks for coming. So it was cute. But Jonathan Knight knows where Edmonton is. I didn't have to tell him. Wow. Yeah. He's the one who asked me, oh, where in Canada are you from? And I'm like, 
Edmonton. I'm just about to explain that. And he's like, no, no, I know. I know where it is. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Best claim to fame. Edmonton. Jonathan Knight knows where we are. That's right. I'm going to put that on the sign entering the city. Yes. Hashtag if you know, you know. If you- <laughs> All right. Well, we, like we were saying earlier, mail service was a big deal back in the eighties and nineties. And Columbia house was probably the king of all music mail order services. Now kids these days would have no, they barely know what a CD is, but I mean, when I first started with Columbia house, the mail order service that would send you 12 cassettes for one penny, that was, it looked too good to be true. And it was in every magazine you'd see it or in the mail you'd get the 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 big thing with all the little stamps of each album so you could like peel off the stamp oh, lick yeah. it stick it on the card to pick your favorite of each album and send it into them and then you get them in the mail right the kids don't know but it was epic and i think every single teenager somehow pulled it off without having an actual credit card they didn't even need credit cards back in the day. Like you could send back. So when you got, when they sent you like your monthly selection card, then you could write your credit card number and name on there and send it back. Like just throw your credit card number in the mail. <laughs> without an like, envelope. <laughs> without an envelope, just like this return card. Here you go. If you want it, then we'll send you like, oh my God, it was so ridiculous. And like kids today. So I was talking with my stepson earlier because we made, we ordered something off Amazon yesterday hmm. and that thing was listed as arriving today. So all morning he's like, so what time is our package going to be here? Mm-hmm. What time do you think our package is going to be here? So I give him the Amazon list. So he, or the, the link, so he could stock his package himself. Like back in our day, we didn't get the privilege of like having things delivered the next day. You sent in your order for your Columbia house CDs and you watched the mailbox Mom, did you see the mail today? Mom, did you see the mail today? Exactly. I used to love being like, oh, something's in the mail for you. What? It's here. Yes. (laughs) 156%. Was there anything for me? Is there anything in the mail for me? Four to six weeks for delivery in most cases, sometimes six to eight. You never know. It's just going to show up when it shows up. Yep. Several things were like that. Everything was like that six to eight weeks for delivery. And that's from the time that they receive your return card. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but see, that means that you were a good Columbia house member because you actually sent the return card. <laughs> Here's, we should lay down to everybody who doesn't know how it works. Okay. So way back in the day, they did this for uh, VHS tapes. They did it for cassette tapes and they did it for cds so you would sign up for columbia house the big thing that got you drawn in was 12 cds for one cent so you pick out all your cds now the catch was that you have to buy a certain number of regular priced cds in order to get this big deal you had to agree to commit to that so once a month they would send you a card that indicated what their selection of the month was if you wanted to keep it do nothing. They would automatically send it to you. And it was always ridiculously overpriced. That was the catch (laughs) is they marked them up so much because, you know, you gotta, you gotta make your money back on 12 free CDs, right? Cause there you go. That's the catch. Exactly. So if you didn't send your card back, then they would just automatically send you this, this CD and you really couldn't do anything about it except pay the ridiculous price. And if you didn't want it, then you had to like put a stamp on it and send it back with the little check box. No, I don't want this. 
-hmm. And then sometimes they would give you extra special deals. Like if you take the CD of the month, then you can purchase four more for only $1 each. So then all of a sudden, like five CDs for only like $75. What? I don't think it was that high, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. super overpriced and then free. So they, they, they're always dragging you back in the next new one. This kind and of because- feels like the, when I subscribed to shoe dazzle. When yeah, I, first- I think, yeah, shoe dazzle. Um, I think Fabletics is doing the same thing. Like there's a whole bunch of subscription type businesses that are just like that. You have to go and manually cancel it, but at least you can do it online. Or sometimes if they're real jerky, they'll make you call the 1-800 number and actually talk to someone. True. The only big, huge difference is the internet exists now. So you don't have to send in no mail card and checking off the no. You just go to your email and press the button and say no, which is way easier. Exactly. So yes, these kinds of things still exist in a different form. Um, I have, I have an Ipsy membership. Oh, I love Ipsy. The little makeup bag every month. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a similar idea. And then now, you can what have you in more items? What have you been doing with your makeup bags? Because like every single month with the samples, they send you a different little makeup bag. So I was on it for like a year. And then all of a sudden I'm like 12 makeup bags. What am I supposed to do? So Naomi, tell us, what do you do with your Ipsy bags? Sometimes I'll give them like, I'll give like to a friend or whatever, if they would like a little, little purse. But what I was, I actually found use for them when I was vacationing because, <laughs> I don't know if this is TMI, but I had one for pads, one for tampons, one for lipsticks, one for this, one for that, sunglasses, um, facial masks. I just put like, there was one cute little bag that had like lips on it. So that's where I put my facial masks in. So I knew because it was the mouth bag. See what I'm talking about? Type A organization right there. And I'm so here for it. (laughs) It worked (laughs) great. Um, But yeah, yeah. That's what I do with them with all these cute little bags they send. Um, not that I'm doing a commercial for Ipsy, uh, uh, they could sponsor the podcast. I'd be down with that. That'd Uh, be amazing. (laughs) So the catch was, uh, here's what I recall from, first of all, let's start with your first memory. How many times do you think you've signed up for Columbia house or BMG or both? Like an initial sign up. Uh, three times in total, once Columbia House CDs, once BMG CDs, and once Columbia House for VHS. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how I did this, but I don't know if I did it under my mom's name, then my sister's name, then my name or the other way around. But somehow I remember signing up for Columbia House at least two or three times throughout my childhood and always never meeting the requirements for the membership never sending my cards in. So I would say, yeah, I owe hundreds of dollars and never actually paying that debt. Because how are they going to get you if they don't have a credit card on file, if they don't have your social insurance number, like basically they have nothing on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know how I kept doing it. I probably signed up with my cat's names. Who knows what I did, but I kept doing it. Um, But I remember it was the cassette club first and then it turned into CDs later. there is something very unique to Columbia House. And I was like, how do they make money off this when uh, I guarantee you there's so many people who are doing exactly what I did, getting the initial offering of the 12 free 
and then never returning. So I looked into it a bit. Now, Columbia House, the other thing is Columbia, Sony Columbia was a record label, the name of a record label. In the beginning, they could only release their own artists signed to Columbia, right? So how do they get all the music from other record labels legally and be allowed to distribute their music? What they would do is they would license the albums and the rights to the albums to print them. If you notice on any of your Columbia House discs or tapes, it always said manufactured by Columbia House somewhere on the disc. On top of that, it was manufactured at a lower quality than the actual CD you would buy in a store. Sometimes the lyric books weren't even in them. They would do it a cheap version of the original. So you wouldn't even know. And they could get away with manufacturing those for about a dollar or two a piece. Wow. Oh, the things that I didn't even know about that. Yeah. I'm looking for. Hang on one second. Sorry, I had to coach my Sue Baker. My buns, they're ready to come out, guys. It's the buns. <laughs> that was fast. They were probably in for a while before we started. They're about 10 minutes before we started, but it's been like a two-day process. It's It's been ridiculous. Sourdough bread, man. Oh, did you? where'd you get your starter from? I started it myself. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, I didn't know in San Francisco about this whole sourdough thing, what a big big deal is in San Francisco sourdough I had no clue and then like we went to the pier or wherever there the fisherman's wharf and there's a huge sourdough place and had some excellent sandwiches wonderful I feel like I'm so late to the party this is like two years after COVID started and I'm like I want to make some sourdough but like Mm -hmm. I recently got a medical um, diagnosis that I have to count my carbs a little bit more carefully. So in order to help that, if I make my own bread and it's fermented, then it's better carbs. Fermented is better. Yeah. It helps oh, with your gut health. Yeah. Oh, that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. So, so discounted versions, mm-hmm. discounted versions. I'd be very sad to learn that the Columbia house version did not have a lyric book when the regular store version did like lyric books were life. Mm-hmm. How else were we supposed to figure out the meaning of songs if we couldn't read the lyrics from the lyric book? Not only that, but that was part of the joy for me whenever I got a new album was opening it up and reading the lyric book and listening to it and reading it at the same time, looking at their thank yous and all of that stuff. I was fascinated by all of that. Yes, trying to figure out if I, like, depending on which celebrity it was, oh, Mariah Carey is thanking these people. Well, those are her backup singers, and that's her best friend, and that's her mom. Look at me, I'm so smart. You know? You feel like you really, like, you're in tight with them because you know who these people are. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so. Then, go ahead. <laughs> so I grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan. We didn't have cable. We had a satellite dish. And this is sort of where my first experience with the idea that I could get CDs not in a store. We had this channel on one of the satellites called More Music. It wasn't much music, it was More Music. And they would just play like 
clips and parts of albums and stuff. And you could dial this 1-800 number and order these CDs. So I know, um, Enya was a really, really big one. Like I learned all about Enya. I learned about Kenny G. So that was my first experience of like, oh, I can call into this number and I can get the CD sent to me. Okay. I don't really know, even know what a CD is. And, but Kenny G is pretty cool. So I learned about a lot of different artists from more music. And then all of a sudden, like these catalogs and stuff started coming to the house. And like, I was a kid, I would read everything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. so with magazines with books with everything they were starting to put their little insert cards in and like you said with the you can pick out pick out the sticker that had your favorite album on it lick it and put it there I didn't know what any of that was and just like oh I know that singer oh I know that singer so I'm like just pretending just yeah. putting them on the card anyway and then it wasn't until years later that I actually figured out what I was doing and talked to my mom into letting me do it ah and so good. of course one of the first cds I ordered of course was Kenny G nice nice (laughs) and then yeah columbia house came along because they were kind of the first one weren't weren't they columbia house was first and then bmg came next they were the columbia house was the big big player um i remember later on like in the late 90s early 2000s there was a a canadian one called cdhq oh i tried to google them tried to google them today and couldn't find any information on them but I do recall them existing. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> I swear it happened. <laughs> but a big part of that too is like, like you said, the sticker aspect of it, I think appealed to kids. And that's where they got us hooked into it, it and make it, making it interesting for us. Now it's nice that you say you talked to your mom and asked her permission. Cause I sure as hell didn't. I was a brat. <laughs> <laughs> Good kid, Nicole. <laughs> well, living in a small town, the there was one post office. And so they would always, they'd have to drive like 20 minutes to get into the nearest small town where our post office box was. So I didn't even have any way to send cards without them knowing. Oh, wow. And then like if all of these boxes started showing up, they'd be like, what's going on? Like there was, there was no hiding. I was bratty in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, you were like, okay, I can't. I can't pull the wool over her eyes on this for sure. That's I I tried, but she eventually was like, Oh, I can't believe you did that again. So anyway, I think that this club helped shape our taste in music because we were trying some things that were like, Oh, that looks cool, but I have no idea what it is. And just ordering it because it was a penny. hundred percent. I'm trying to, you know what the sad thing is? I can't, I can only specifically remember maybe two cassettes for sure that I got with the club. Um, one of them was EMF because that okay. unbelievable song was big at the time. Yeah. And then I remember getting Actung Baby by U2, which is hilarious to me because I can't stand U2. I, they're, they're one of my least favorite bands, but I ordered it because I could. At the time, maybe I, I didn't hate them, but anyway, yeah, those, those are the ones I really recall getting. Um, some things I remember when I went from cassette to CD, upgrading to CD because I already had it on cassette. Okay. Do you remember any of those that made it through the upgrade? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I was... I was a pretty spoiled child. So I was constantly getting CDs and music from 
different sources. So honestly, can't remember exactly what, what came through the pipe there. But That's what about you? What about you? Do, are there any, um, any titles that stand out in your mind that you got that way? Um, so I used to just always steal from my mom's cassette tape collection. And so none of them, I don't think, really made it to the next level because they were my mom's and I could just take them whenever. Um, my very first CD purchase, which was not Columbia House or BMG, was Mariah Carey's Music Box. Nice. 1994. That was my very, very first one. I was so excited to go into Top 40 and go and get it. Yes. Um, I learned, what did I purchase? I purchased um, Everclear, Sparkle and Fade. That was one of the first ones that I'm like, oh, that cover looks kind of cool. No idea who Everclear was. Yes. Um, who else? Moist. Um, is it Silver or Sliver? Whichever silver. one it's called. Silver. That was another one of them. There's I'm a like, song called Silver. Yeah. So I'm like, that one, that one looked cool. Uh, Taylor Dane. She was one of my first oh, ones. I love her. Love Taylor Dane. Stopey B. Hawkins, the Whaler album. Damn. Be- be- yeah, exactly. Because that channel that I was talking about, More Music, that was yes. one of the songs that was always played on there. So. Uh-huh. And they always played them on a loop. So if I just needed music in the background, I turned on that channel and do whatever I was doing. So like subconsciously, these songs and these artists got in there. Mm-hmm. And then when I was old enough to pick my CDs. You'll remember and, them. Yeah. Lots of classical. Cause I was like, I trained to be a classical pianist and a classical vocalist. So just tons of like piano. Cause, Oh, I can learn that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, soundtracks forever. Like the clueless soundtrack. The Empire Records soundtrack. Like oh, yeah. I really geared towards soundtracks because they just had such a good mix of things. And then I could listen to all these different artists and decide, like, kind of like how we can preview songs on Spotify and then choose if we want to listen to the rest of the album. That's kind of what I use my soundtracks for. Oh, yeah. that person's good. I think I will take a chance and put them on my next round of one cent CDs. Exactly. That is smart. And the variety there. You were really shopping with the intention. <laughs> I was like way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I, and I like, I can't even say consciously that I knew that I was doing that. Well, what we were talking about those cards that we'd have to mail in. So they would send you once you're a member, you got your 12 free or whatever that you're a member. Now um, you'd get like little catalogs monthly with what selections they had available, new releases, all of that. And it came with your card with the selection of the month, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And and like we said earlier, if you don't send that card back telling them, no, you don't want the selection of the month, well, you're getting it anyway. And you're going to be charged. I would remember with shipping, it would probably be in, we're talking about early nineties, 20 to 25 bucks. Oh, I was thinking with shipping and everything, we're like 34. Oh, and those like, prices they at were, that time? They, yeah. It was crazy. It was so crazy. So I, what I remember is you had it, I think it was a minimum of four CDs you had to buy at full price. Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right. Four or six. And then you've, yes. And then you've held up your end of the deal. So what would happen once you've done that? Since I never got to that point and held up my end of the deal, what would happen when you did and you're still a member? Would they still make you send in the selection card? 100% yes, they do. Until you write them in that you want to cancel your membership, they would continue to send the cards. You continue your membership. Ooh, that's dangerous too. 
because yeah. then you could still be owing them all this money if you don't send them in. Whew, I'm kind of glad this doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Me too. At least not in that format. Just risky all over the place. And I remember when those catalogs would come with the cards, and I think I've heard you talk about this before, like with the uh, the Sears, the wish book, the Christmas wish book, you would go through there yeah. and you circle everything that you wanted. Yes. That was one of my favorite activities at Christmas time. I would do the same thing with the Columbia House catalogs. When mm -hmm. they would come, I'm like, oh, Huey Lewis in the News. Yeah, I want that. Millie Vanilli, I want that one too. Oh, I want all of these. And so, yeah, it was, it was like a monthly little Christmas wish book. It is truly. And it's, it was just nice. And then it kind of kept you in track of what you wanted to get coming up, whether it be through them or through the record store or whatever you knew. Okay. This is something I want to get. It's like a little shopping list. Exactly. Or if you like heard somebody on TV or the radio, then all of a sudden their, their cassette tape or their CD is in the catalog. You're like, yes, I could get that now. See, one question people might ask about these clubs is what did the actual record stores think of this idea? Because were they going to be losing out because of it? So Columbia had an agreement with the record stores, basically, that they wouldn't put something into their Columbia House shop until it had already been out for a few months so that the record stores had a chance to sell it first. Oh, that's that's smart that from a business perspective that's really smart mm -hmm. so i don't know all the all the uh fine finer details on that but uh yeah there was some kind of agreement there to keep that from happening um i took in sorry a few notes here which really makes sense now that i think about it because the new releases were never out in next month's catalog and i remember feeling annoyed by that like Mm -hmm. I just heard that so-and-so released a new album. Why is it not in the Columbia House catalog? <laughs> yeah, you had to wait for quite a few months before you would see it there. Um, yeah. Not, yeah, that totally makes sense. Because otherwise, I don't think the Columbia model would work and the record stores would probably be in more trouble back then than they were now. True. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Who creates the content we love? I was a very emotional child. But I was really shy growing up. What makes them passionate? I want to draw Saturday morning cartoons. I could actually write some of this. Part of me comes out in a design that I do. And why do they persist? You know, I was in a bad mental spot. It was a big sacrifice. The hard-earned lesson is you have to do your own thing. And this has been like a rebirth for me. Hear their stories on your favorite podcast player. Creators After Dark. I've got Tom Hanks in the house. Guys, I'm telling you, Eric Clapton's in the house. Oh, get out of here. You get action in the house. Every sound in the house can be found in the house. 
Look for Columbia House offers in leading publications and your mail. Royalties was another question. Royalties. Are the artists getting their the, the money that they're supposed to make per sale on CD when it's less than a penny? The answer is no. Mm-mm. They were not. Only on the full full sale, full price ones. So in exchange for that, they ended up getting every CD, no matter what it cost, a penny or whatever, actually did count towards chart positioning. Uh, gold and platinum sales, things like that. They did count towards those things, which are very important for artists as well. And kind of, I don't know if that's a trade-off, not really because you're just still losing out on one thing. (laughs) I mean, chart ratings don't pay my bills. They're awesome. I mean, I'd love to have a number one or a number two or a number three hit single. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not getting paid for the artistry that I've created, like, yeah. It makes me want to ask an artist back in the day with Columbia House existing. Did you feel like you do about that? Like you do now about Spotify? Because Spotify pays them hardly anything, right? Yeah. So that's something I might want to start asking people in interviews if they remember the how Columbia House worked and if it if it had a negative impact on their careers. And also, if we could find somebody who we um, finding somebody who lived through both eras, like the Columbia House and the Spotify to see what their thoughts were initially. And mm-hmm. if they're like, OK, well, whatever, I already I already went through this with Columbia House, the Spotify, whatever, whatever. Just do what you're going to do. <laughs> Be, do what you're going to yeah. do. We've lived this hell before. Yes. <laughs> Guys, just stop. You can complain all you want and maybe things will change, but probably not. Right. Right. At the end of the day, artists are making the primary amount of money from touring and merchandise sales. So um, I think back then the CD sales, the majority of it went to the record label anyway, but artists would make a percentage, a small percentage on CD sales, but they did. I'm thinking about the, like, just the model, the general idea of, I guess, in 2022 mindset, the idea of forcing someone to send back a card every single month. Like, it just, it seems, it seems almost a little predatory. And the Mm -hmm. lack of screening, like, you were able to do Columbia House several times over and over and over again, which, Mm -hmm. like, no verification that you're of age to be doing this. Like now today we talk about legalities, like being able to enter into agreements before the age of 18. So I don't think any of these companies ever really did that. And as kids, as minors, we all profited off of it. Like look at my huge CD collection. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to get my hands on one of those earlier uh, sign up forms to read the fine print that existed. Yeah. At the time. I'm sure it said things like you had to be a certain age or whatever, but uh, nobody actually followed that. <laughs> I wonder how many people who joined Columbia House actually were adults. <laughs> right? Like, did the adults in our lives just all look at that and be like, no, dude, that's a ripoff. That's totally a ripoff. But you know what? It's hey, with, all that life, with all that life experience they had, they know what being ripped off is <laughs> like already. <laughs> 
Not like those uh, KTEL, not like those KTEL ads. The, the, that was legit. You know, those late night <laughs> infomercials where you would buy like Time Life Warner's classic collection of songs from the 50s. Hey, four easy installments of 1998 plus shipping and handling. Please wait six to eight weeks for delivery. Yes. You mark that little, you mark it on your calendar. Here's six weeks. Start stocking the mailbox. Or like the next morning, your mom's like, Naomi, guess what I bought last night? Or my mom, I guess in this case, Nicole, guess what I bought last night? What'd you buy, mom? I got Suzanne Summers Thigh Master. <laughs> Were you up watching infographics again? Yes, I can get long, thin, toned legs just like her. Six to eight weeks. Cool story, mom. They're coming. It's coming. It's coming. We had one of those things too. I think ours was a knockoff though. I don't think it was the actual Suzanne Summers, the official real deal. I don't know. It's just, it was fun to like, just walk around and I don't know. That thing was never used as exercise. It was just a toy. Look at me. Look how strong I am. <laughs> I know. And other things I used to order from like the magazines, like teen magazines, they'd always have like posters and t-shirts and stuff you could buy from your favorite artists. Super expensive. Fan club memberships as well. Mm -hmm. Did you ever join the Archie fan club? No. They, they sent you a pen. A pen? Like one of those, those sick pens that have like six colors in them. <gasps> you are a like pen aficionado. Yes. Like these guys, they sent you an Archie Andrews one. It had four colors. Oh my goodness. I used to, like, I had a pen like that. That was probably like an inch barrel. And then it was like probably 10 to 12 colors in it. It's hard to write with though. Cause it's so thick. <laughs> right. Do you remember, um, Dahlia's catalog catalog called Dahlia's and it was all, it was uh, clothing and basically mail order hot topic at that really? point yeah no i don't and we're both from canada so i would assume that i would have been able to have access to that it might huh. have been an american company because like as i said living in saskatchewan and being out on a farm mm -hmm. i had access to different stuff than a lot of the kids in my class had like they'd be like oh yeah i'm going home and watch ducktales and i'm like what satellite is that on and they're like it's on channel whatever i'm like i have satellite you I'm going to go home and watch Nickelodeon. See, but that's the thing. You had some of the cooler channels that the rest of us with cable did not have. Or or let's say Farmer Vision, not even cable. So I know, okay, Nickelodeon. We would hear about Nickelodeon, but we'd never seen it. Right? Or oh, It was so awesome. Did you have Disney Channel? Because yes. on satellite, you had Disney Channel. That means you could have watched Mickey Mouse Club too. Yep. And unfortunately, it was just a little bit before, or a little, we moved a little bit after all of our favorite celebrities were on the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, uh, yeah. The Britney, and, Christina. And Britney, yes. Ryan, yeah. Ryan Gosling. So just a little too old for that. And scrambled porn channels. Oh, you, were they unscrambled for you? No, no, they were not unscrambled. <laughs> thank goodness. But like, my my boy cousins would come over and it was it was aqua talk all over the place because like mm -hmm. it's it's all it's screen and they're watching intently and i'm like you guys are awkward and then i just <laughs> go outside and play this is this is weird yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i wasn't until like probably was i 
I got my own apartment. So I think it was like 19 or 20. And then I saw that we had these scrambled channels that would clear up for a second. And then <laughs> being scrambled. Yep. Just to see a glimpse of something. So by this time, I'd already seen what all was happening there. And in, in... <laughs> it, it wasn't a mystery. Uh, anyway, that took a turn. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that. So eventually, go ahead. Like back in our day, the things that we got via mail were just amazing. Mm-hmm. I love mail service. Even today, I'm like, I go to the mailbox, I check my mailbox and oh, my magazine is here. And I'm like, sweet. Yes. Yes. I miss magazine subscriptions. So you still have a magazine subscription? I do. What is it? Food Should Network Magazine. Sweet. <laughs> that is cool. And especially because I like having something physical and tactical in the kitchen rather than reading recipes off my phone. You know, me too. I, I enjoy that. But then it's hard to keep it clean. That resonates so hard with me right now because the sourdough book that I'm working out of, I borrowed it from the library and I was working with it yesterday and noticed that I got something on the corner of it. So mm. when my stepkid came and asked if he could order this thing, I'm like, I'm just going to add a copy to, of that book to my cart. So now I actually own it and I can give the library back their dirty copy. Uh- <laughs> Danielle, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. Your book is perfect. Oh, wow. Yeah, keep, keep taking out cookbooks from the library you're not gonna get a clean fucking book ever sorry everybody it ain't happening <laughs> right if you get a clean cookbook from the library and you're not the first person to take it out like did they even use it no come on no guys. but you can tell me they did something responsible like photocopy it or maybe to <laughs> i doubt it like saran wrap yeah no ain't nobody got time for that nope <laughs> nope <laughs> But yes, mail is fun. Mail, that's one thing that will never change. Mail will always be fun. Having a package delivered is always great. True story. It's just different how we get it now, that's all. And I mean, Amazon has spoiled us to the point where if you have to wait more than a week, you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) If you're 15 years old and you're waiting more than a day, you're like, oh my God, my life is over. And I'm like, let's talk about back in my day. <laughs> six, six to eight, eight weeks, week, guys. Six to eight weeks. The longest weeks of your life. Especially oh. if it's something you were super excited about. Totally. Absolutely. I'd get like posters and stuff like my new kids, my new kids stuff. And I'd be like waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> there was another subscription service that I had that was books. It was once Mm. a month, they would send you two books, exactly the same model. You had to send the card back if you didn't want them. They were much more reasonably priced because like teen, teen girl books. And I remember, yeah, that one was amazing. The very first shipment, you got a journal and you got a few books and then they would send you books and the books were always really good. I'm wondering if I had a book subscription or not, because I recall getting most of my books from Scholastic either the book fairs or like, was it monthly when we would get the scholastic um, flyers at school? Cause I, had I feel to get, like it was at least once a month. I had to get my sweet Valley high and uh, sweet, but was it junior high as well? There was two levels of sweet Valley books. Yes. There was sweet Valley twins and there was sweet Valley high. 
Thank you. And uh, you're so welcome. Those, those were my addictions. So I think I got those from school mostly. I got a lot of Babysitter's Club books from Scholastic. Mm. The Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley Twins books. So in Saskatchewan, we had the bookmobile that came along. It was the mobile library because like we had our little in-school library and it kind of sucked. So we had mobile library come along mm. and every single month they were always new books. And you had to know that you needed to go to the lady who was working inside the bookmobile and ask, could I please have the new Babysitter's Club and the new Sweet Valley High book? And if she was in a good mood, first person to ask, got it. So I was always trying to be the first one because... And like, we were all cool. The girls, like once I was finished, I would lend it to a classmate, but like, it was just, I gotta be first on the bookmobile. Hi, nice lady. Could I please have the books? Yes. And it was so great. So great. When the book's still fresh and it's yours, you're the first one to read it. You get to do that first little, not like crack the spine, but like the first bend of the cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) Um, I think we're basically towards the end of Columbia house. That was around the same time where Napster reared its head. I think it was when the digital download era started and that's when the popularity of these services, we just didn't need them anymore. It's so true because why would I want to, why would I want to continue on with Columbia house when I had a friend's little brother who was like Napster master give him a list of songs and say here can you make me a mix cd and he charged me 20 bucks for it 20 like, bucks oh, yeah this kid was raking it, it was ridiculous right but it was a custom smart. cd with all of my songs my so. first my first foray into getting into that kind of thing though those downloads was because i was looking for imports or remixes of versions of songs that i didn't have and you would have to go to your record club like HMV and have it ordered in for you if it was an import or A and B sound, for example. You know, so I was just trying to avoid all of that. Plus an import would cost you like a lot. So I'm like, okay, I can just get them this way. And then, you know, it became what it became. I'm no, I'm no angel with that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Once I learned how to use Napster, I was, uh, I was loving it. But anyway, yes, there was no need for the clubs anymore. They were starting to lose their popularity huge. Um, They were starting to struggle in the late 90s. I think that it says that Columbia House finally shut its doors in 2010. Wow. Wow. Good Canadian branch. Canadian branch in December 2010 went into bankruptcy. Um, the parents of the Columbia House Music and DVD Clubs announced on August 10th, 2015, that it plans to sell Columbia House DVD Club business through bankruptcy action. And that was wrapped, <laughs> wrapped up and done. So now it's just basically in the museum of our minds <laughs> that we, we did this. And it was such a huge thing. Well, I'm glad that we can sit and reminisce about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that, except uh, we we kind of have the same thing going now with our streaming services for for such a good price. But there is there is a cost to it for the artists, that's for sure. Do you know anybody? Because like I know that you're heavily 
um, with SOCAN and stuff like you promote that a lot, which is amazing. Um, do you know anything about like payment model with Spotify and that kind of stuff? Like how, how it split up and goes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have the exact details. What I do know is basically is probably what you know, and that's, we've had some artists on the show who actually talked about Spotify and how it's not a good deal. Um, for instance, if you listen to the episode about where I speak with Sean McCann from Great Big C, he's very he's very anti um, Spotify, and he explains exactly why. And it's yeah, so that's a good listen. But um, the, they get like less less than pennies on a stream, you know. I've been an artist who's had music on Spotify, and I didn't see a damn penny. So, I mean, I'm really? not I'm not saying that in any way that I had a million streams because I had nowhere close to that, but I didn't see anything, nothing. And I know that some people did listen to our music on Spotify. So even with the little bit of stream that we got, yeah, we never saw a penny. Oh man, I'm sorry about that. Oh, don't be. I knew what I was getting into. Um, we were better off selling CDs at gigs if we could have done that. <laughs> totally. You know? Merch is totally where it's at. It just, it still sucks to know that there's really amazing artists out there that are not getting compensated properly. Like that's mm-hmm. in a, in a day and age where we're fighting for everyone to have living wages and like everything for everybody. The yeah. arts seem to be a really big sticking point for everybody. Oh, you're a musician. You should just do it because you love it. Oh, and then there's all, all the venues that don't want to pay you what you're worth to perform there. And they say, oh, you want to play for exposure? This is a great exposure gig. And what's exposure going to do for you? Not much when that's hardly anything. You're not making money off the sale of your music. So exposure means nothing. Anyway. Yeah, you're in a roundabout way. You're paying for the gig because you've already invested your time. It's wear and tear on your gear by hauling in it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it infuriates me it infuriates me that people just discount musicians and artists because mm-hmm. we usually do what we love and it very much been hit hard over the last two years because of the fact that they couldn't play any shows so we saw a lot of creativity like i know that um somebody out in bc like she's doing live shows all the time and i think that worked really well for her like live over zoom kind of thing and i'm like that's cool so the innovation has been fun that's true i mean nothing will compare to the feel of like the actual show being there and the contact that you have with the audience um but it was good to see them trying to do something taking the lemons and making lemonade during that time but I highly encourage all of our listeners who don't go out and see local bands, just go and see a band at a club or something. Even if you don't know who they are, get to know them and check it out and support because everybody really needs it right now. Exactly. I will second that. Just go to a random show, go on a random adventure with yourself. Mm-hmm. And who knows if there's more than one um, band or artist playing that night, you might end up falling in love with an opener. True. Mm-hmm. which like is amazing. We saw Arcade Fire a few years back and I left that show and I fell totally in love with their opener, which is an awesome band called the Tune Yards. Okay. I love the Tune Yards more than I love Arcade Fire. And 
yeah, there's so many. I saw some band in Saskatoon. It was the guy that I was seeing, his favorite band. And then the opener, it was Maylee Todd. And I, I love her to pieces this day. I loved her so much more than I loved whoever I was there to see. So keep That's your mind fantastic. open to the openers. Like why do, why do people skip openers? I don't understand. Because um, <clears throat> some people aren't there for the same reasons. Fair. Some of us Everyone are there to actually listen to the music and some are there for the party. And to watch the camera, watch the, uh, watch the concert through their phone. <laughs> That's a whole other episode right there. So true. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicole, for being on the show. Um, are you plugging anything right now that we can share with our audience? I'm not right at this second. I'm, I'm not, I'm still kind of rehabbing from the car accident and mm. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give a fantastic plug to my friends, JD and Kendra, who are playing a gig at um, Gracie's on July the 9th. I'm going to be there. So you, Sweet. you listeners can come out there and see and meet Niskers. Yes. And come meet you. <laughs> and our listeners know Kendra too, of course, because she's on this show quite a bit. Exactly. They hear so her I'll, voice. I'll, I will plug the heck out of those two ladies. Oh, that's so sweet. Hey, kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.